I've been, uh, we've been on this journey in the times that I've had the opportunity to minister. We've been on this journey about desire. Before I get in the word, I want to encourage you. Um, we started a couple Wednesdays ago, summer revival nights. Encourage you to get here. It's going to build throughout the summer. Amen. Also, for all the men, in a couple Saturdays from now, we're having a men's meeting on a Saturday morning, and um, so you can go ahead and sign up. Sign up online for that. And also, we have a connect class coming up on. Uh, June 11th, um, where my wife and I have an opportunity to communicate the vision, communicate what we're about, where we're going, and how you can be a part of reaching this community for Jesus. Amen. And so if you're new here and you're like, you know, I, I believe this is where I'm supposed to be. Before you leave today, go to the welcome team and sign up for the next Connect class. Um, we love you, love to have you a part of our church family. So a number of months, months ago, the Lord said, actually, beginning of the year, he said, Justin, I want you to talk to the people about desire. And when it started, I thought that oh, it'd probably be about, you know, four messages <laughs> and we'll kind of see where things go. But I think this is part 10. <laughs> but it's come in in segments and I talked about just your desire for God. We've talked about the desire for the word. And today, uh, I'm going to start something new and talking about the desire for the Holy Spirit. You see, see, the word is the foundation to our belief system. I could even say it this way. Information is the foundation to your belief system. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, right? So the word of God has the ability to bring about faith in my heart, in my life, right? Faith and desire go hand in hand. Desire is my expectation released in what I'm believing for. So I could say, I could say faith and desire can work hand in hand, correct? So information is the seat of all and will be the, the, the result of your desires, information. For instance, if you go to a restaurant and, and you have a bad experience, you're going to tell a lot of people about that bad experience. Why? Because your information that you received in your experience is going to give you the desire to tell someone else about it. Now, if I tell you, hey, in Fort Worth, go to Local Fresh Kitchen. And some of you are like, I have no clue where Local Fresh Kitchen is. It's on Hewland. Some of you may have never know, know about it. You can go over to Blue Mound, to Latoya's Salad and Wrap Place off Blue Mound Road in North Fort Worth. And you want to go there. It's good. It's really good. See, Latoya, Latoya said, amen. <laughs> and so, so if I tell you that something's good and I give you information in that, then all of a sudden it's like some of you are like Googling, where's local fresh kitchen? If pastor said it, it must be good. 
So what? Because the information all of a sudden gave you a desire to want to do something. And it works in the negative and the positive. Information is the foundation of our belief system. For instance, creationism versus evolution. Now, we could have long debates about this, but bottom line, whether you're talking about evolution or you're talking about creationism, the thing is, is they're both beliefs. No one is science. No, it is a belief. Evolution is not science. It's a, it's a theory. That's why it's called the theory of evolution. But yet, schools, universities teach it as law. They teach it as something that's matter of fact. And you say, well, no, it's science. No, it's what if you believe in evolution and you got, we got here from, from some sort of single cell organism. If that's what you believe, if that's what you think, then that's what you believe. It's, it's your, now your belief system. It's not science. It's kind of interesting that, that we're all like, just trust the science until the science doesn't, <laughs> since until the science doesn't agree with their belief. Hey, folks, it's either XY or XX. That's it. That's it. Hey, you can do whatever, but the bottom line, at the end of the day, we get your DNA. It's either XY or XX. That's, that's it. But yet, if, if, if all you're taught is something, a, a certain something, then it's all of a sudden it becomes your belief system, and then it becomes your desire. Kind of went off in that rabbit trail. But what I want you to see is your information, the word, is the foundation of your belief system. Dr. Savell preached last week, no limits and no boundaries. That is the word of God. He talked about the life of Abraham. Unpacked it for us. But yet you could have other information in saying, I'm always going to be confined because of how I grew up. So therefore, you're going to have a competing desire that's going to keep you from something greater. So your information, the word or words you receive are the foundation of your belief system. Let's go to Isaiah 40. Isaiah 40. Actually, Isaiah 44. You you may have grown up under different denominations. You may have grown up... I'm not going to name the different denominations, but you could have different understandings as it pertains to the Holy Spirit. You could have, because you were taught one thing, and it was from the word, yet because you were taught that one thing, it's limited you from believing something that you could have a right to. For instance, 
old time, there was taking a vow of poverty. Who wants to take that vow? Nada. No one. But yet it was a teaching that came out of the, it came out and they used the word of God to promote the, the belief system. So you could hear that and someone teach you about what you have a right to and what the covenant is, covenant is and what Abraham had a right to, what we have a right to according to giving and receiving. And all of a sudden you can't hear new revelation because you're constantly hearing things based on old information. And if I'm hearing things from old information, it's going to keep me from going to another level. It's going to keep me being limited in my life. Let's look at this. Verse uh, chapter 44 of Isaiah, verse one, it says, yet hear now, O Jacob, my servant and Israel, whom I have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you informed you from the womb. Now, what I, I want to throw this in here, when we see a prophet speaking, we hear someone writing down things in scripture. They weren't writing things down for no purpose. The word of God is the seat, should be the seat to the foundation of my belief system. Do we establish that? The word. So when a prophet speak, what is a prophet doing? A prophet is declaring the will of God. What is a prophet doing? A prophet, a prophet is declaring what God's desire is. So when we see Isaiah prophesying here in Isaiah 44, we're not just hearing Isaiah writing something down, but we're hearing the will of God. So here he says, hear now, O Jacob, my servant and Israel, whom have chosen. Thus says the Lord who made you informed you from the womb, who will help you? Now, that's not a question asking who will help you is telling us that he will help you hear this, hear this. He goes, fear not, O Jacob, my servant and you Jeshurun. Now Jeshurun represents and what is written here and what that means and that name means it represent a, it represents a new Israel. It represents a New Testament Israel. Well, in the New Testament, we know it says, it says that the believers and the Christians are the true Israel of God. You're like, really? Yeah, it's, it's in there. Trust me. And so here, he's not just talking to Israel at that time, but he's now talking to the future Israel. And he says this, whom I have chosen. For I will pour water on him who is thirsty. Are you thirsty? If you're thirsty, you have a desire for something. And floods on the dry ground. Now I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. They will spring up among the grass like willows by the water courses one will say, I am the Lord's. Another will call himself by the name of Jacob and another, get this, will write with his hand the Lord's. 
Now listen, listen to this, and name himself by the name of Israel. So what is he saying here? He's saying, hey, there's going to come a time, but I need the children of God to hear this. And I want you to know, children of God, I want you to know, people of heritage, that I'm here to help you. And I want you to see there's going to come a time where I'm going to pour out my spirit on your descendants. And what's going to happen is when I pour my spirit out on your descendants, they're going to spring up. And all of a sudden, because they spring up, it's also, they're going to be called by a new name. They're going to be the Lord's, meaning this is going to be something that they identify with. This is going to be the very thing that marks their lives. Say this, I will pour out my spirit on all your descendants. Say, that's me. You see, let's go to Matthew chapter three, Matthew chapter three, let me come down here. Thank you, father. You have to, the word is the beginning to everything. That's why we preached on it for like five weeks. The word is the foundation to everything. It's what produces the desire. Just like negative information can give you a negative desire. The word of God will give you God's desire. So let's look at verse 13. It says, then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And are you coming to me? Even John couldn't, wait a minute, something, something's not right here. I, I need to be baptized by you. What does Jesus say? But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. What is Jesus saying? Jesus saying, we've got to do things the right way. Meaning Jesus is saying, I can't go to the next level if we don't fulfill the word. I can't go to where God wants me to go if I don't fulfill the word, if I don't do the word. He says, we got to fulfill all righteousness. I, I mean, there's some other things here and I, I could go into some other things because, because we have to understand this is John the Baptist and John the Baptist was his father was Zachariah that was fulfilling the, the office of, of his father, which was a priest. It's a little rabbit trail. I'm a teacher. So, so here there, there's something extraordinary here, here. That, that time, the Romans and the Jews were the ones that would report the, do the high priest. But yet John the Baptist's father was doing the priest's office. And so, so why was, what was another thing? Because Jesus said, what did you go out to see in the wilderness? He goes, just a man? He goes, no, he was much more than a prophet. And this is my opinion through my research. I believe John the Baptist was the rightful high priest at that time. That's why Jesus said, 
I need to go to you. And what, what, what happened in the Old Testament? The high priest would be the one. Behold, the lamb that takes away the sin of the world. The high priest was the one that would, in the Old Testament, would be the one that would decide the, the lamb that would be sacrificed for that year. And so here, here, John the Baptist calls out Jesus. And yet Jesus said, it's, we have to fulfill all righteousness. And what, what happened after that? When he had been baptized, Jesus came up immediately from the water and behold, the heavens were open to him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighted upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Jesus had to fulfill all righteousness. Jesus If you, if you look at this with Jesus, he comes out of the wilderness and he says, Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to heal the brokenhearted. He goes on and says, and proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus had to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Jesus could not do and fulfill his life and ministry without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit. He needed this. That's why he goes, I need to be baptized by you. Why? Because I can't go into my assignment. I can't fulfill what I'm called to do. Because you have to understand, Jesus laid down his, and he became a man and he became a servant and he had to do things as a man, even though he was the son of God, he still had to do things as a man, but he didn't do it apart from the Holy spirit. Let's go to Joel chapter two. Remember, a prophet, the word is the foundation of our belief system. Jesus knew that he needed to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because he had the word of God. He had the word of God. He knew that he had to be baptized by John. Why? Because in Isaiah 40, Isaiah writes about it and says, behold, there's one crying in the wilderness. He, he had Isaiah 61, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. He, he, he saw throughout, throughout the scriptures how the spirit of God came upon David from that time forward. He saw the spirit of God coming upon Elijah. He saw in Ezekiel, he saw in, in, in with Moses, the spirit of wisdom rested upon him. He, he saw those things. He saw Isaiah chapter 11 and said, the spirit of the Lord will rest upon him and it will be a spirit of wisdom. It will be a spirit of counsel, a spirit of might, a spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord. Jesus knew that I've got to have this spirit on me. Cause if I don't have this spirit on me, I can't fulfill what I'm called to do. Remember a prophet is laying the foundation for what God's desire to do for the sake of time without going through this whole chapter. Let's just look at verse 28. 
And it shall come to pass afterwards that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. All flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants, I will pour out my spirit in those days. Now here, what are we seeing? We're hearing God's desire again. He's saying, in the last days, I'm going to pour my spirit out on all flesh. So that should put a desire on the inside of me to find out, has this happened yet? Has this happened yet? Let's go back to Matthew chapter 3. Look at verse 11. Now, this is John the Baptist talking, and he is considered a prophet. He says, I indeed baptize you with water under repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He, this says, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. So, what do we see? Joel prophesied something coming. Now we see, we see John the Baptist is prophesying that something's coming. Let's go to John chapter 14. John 14. Thank you, Father. This is Jesus. In John chapter 14, 15, and 16, I believe that Jesus is communicating everything that the disciples would need to be successful. He's about to leave and he's saying, hey, I'm going to, I, I need you to know these things. You need this. When I'm gone, you need this. How does he start it off? He says, verse one, let not your heart be troubled. That means they're going to have an opportunity for their heart to be troubled. He's saying, hey, I'm going to go away and I'll be with you no longer. You don't know where I'm going and you don't know how I'm going to get there and all this. And, but, and they're kind of confused. And what does he say? Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I will come again and, and, and receive you unto myself. Peter has, uh, I think it's... Um, one of them asks a question and he comes back. I am the way I am the truth and I'm in the li- I am the life. No man comes to the father, but by me. Let's go to John 16. Good verse 29. Now this is the end of this three chapters that Jesus is talking to his, his disciples. And in chapter 17, is, he starts praying to the Father. And here he says in 29, he says, His disciples said to him, See, now you're speaking plainly, and you're using no figure of speech. Now we are sure that you know all things, and have no need that anyone should question you. 
By this we believe that you came forth from God. Jesus answered them, do you now, be- do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, has now come, that you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. Now listen to this. And yet I'm not alone because the Father is with me. Wow. Jesus said, I'm not alone. Why? Because something's with me. And he says this, these things I've spoken to you. What things? John 14, 15, and 16. All these things that I've spoken unto you, that in me you may have peace. Are you grateful for the peace that comes from Jesus? In the world you will have tribulation, but. In the world you'll have tribulation, but. See, some people say, hey, I'm tribulating. I'm going to, hey, we're going through something right now. But wait a minute, don't forget about the but. But, but, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. Meaning, if I had the ability to overcome in the world, you're going to have the ability to overcome in the world because of these things that I've spoken to you. These things that I've spoken to you. Go back to John 14. (laughs) Stay with me. Verse 15. John 14, verse 15. He said, remember, these things I've spoken unto you. Here he says, if you love me, keep my commandments. And I will pray the Father. And he will give you another helper. That he may abide with you forever. The helper, the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because neither sees, neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. Wow. What is Jesus saying? He's declaring God's will. What is he saying? In tribulation, when I go, don't let your heart be troubled. These things have I spoken unto you that you might have peace. What is he saying? He is saying, hey, there's going to be a, the Holy Spirit's going to come and he not only be with you, but will be in you. He says, he goes, I'm not alone because the father's with me. Jesus is saying, hey, hey, I'm leaving you, but you know what? I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. I'm going to leave someone just like myself. I'm going to leave you a paraclete. I'm going to, I'm going to give you one that's going to stand by your side. I'm going to give you one that's going to help you walk through storms. I'm going to give you one that will give, will show you things to come. I'm going to give you one that will, will cause you to, to, to have comfort and peace in the midst of difficult times. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to you. Jesus needed the Holy Spirit upon his life. Contrary to what some people said, Jesus did not do miracles in the sandbox. No, he didn't do any miracles until the Spirit of God came upon his life. The Holy Spirit. See, it's not degrees of importance. Okay, we have the Father... We have the Son, and way down here we have the Holy Spirit somewhere. No. The Holy Spirit is something that you and I 
need to not see as some sort of goosebump, not some sort of religious expression on the outside, but it's knowing that I am God inside minded. I have the Holy Spirit and he walks with me. The Holy Spirit is guiding me and directing me. See, there's times when the Apostle Paul, he, it wasn't just having this, this, all this wisdom and, and things. Yes, he had wisdom, but there was times when he said, I didn't go because the Spirit of God forbid me to. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will cause us to, to walk in the character of God and in the power of God. It's the Holy Spirit. Go to Luke chapter 24. Luke 24. Where the word is the foundation to what we build our faith upon. Luke 24, verse 44. It says, then he said to them, these are the words which I spoke to you while I was with you. Amen. These are words that I spoke to you. So if the word, remember Jesus only did and the things he saw the father do. He only said the things he heard the father say. So we're hearing the will of God. These things he said to them, these are the words which I've spoken to you while I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled, which were written. Now listen, in the law and the prophets and the Psalms concerning me. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the scriptures. Then he said to them, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead on the third day. And that repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. And he says, and you are witnesses of these things, meaning you've experienced it. You witnessed this. You've received this salvation gift. You've received this, guys. And you're witnesses of these things. Now, verse 49 says, behold. Behold. Meaning you've experienced this, but behold. But, but there, there's something else here. It's, there's something beyond this, this born-again experience. There's something more to it. Behold, I send the promise of my father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endued, until you're endued with what? Power. So Jesus says, don't go anywhere else until you go to Jerusalem first. Jesus needed the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus knew if the disciples were going to impact the world and and continue to progress, what's happened over the last 2,000 years, it was going to require the work of the Holy Spirit in and through their lives. You need this power. You need this. You need to be endued. means to be clothed with. meaning, Meaning go to Jerusalem until you're clothed with this. And, you know, some people have had conversations with different ones that have different thought processes about being filled with the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues and those things. And people ask, well, well, didn't they all get filled with the Holy Spirit when when Jesus breathed on them in John chapter 20? I'm like, yes. 
But if he, they were filled with the Holy Spirit in John 20, why did he tell them to go to Jerusalem until they're endued with it? If he breathed on them, he said, receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he turn around and say, hey, go there and get what I already gave you? No. There was two different experiences that we as believers have a right to press into. One of them we can see in John chapter four, the woman at the well. And he said, hey, if you receive this water, you will receive welling up into eternal life. That speaks of salvation. But yet in John chapter seven, Jesus said, if any man is thirsty, let him come unto me and drink. And he goes, he goes, he was speaking of the spirit that had what not yet been given. So we have to understand that we need and my heart as your pastor is for you to desire the present day work of the Holy Spirit in your life. You need the Holy Spirit. I need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit to be the best spouse you can be. You need the Holy Spirit in your workplace. You need the Holy Spirit in raising your children. Don't push the Holy Spirit. Like I said, don't push it off to the side as some some spiritual thing. No, it is everyday life. You have the Holy Spirit that can cause you to operate greater in your business. The Holy Spirit. And Jesus is saying, you need this. You need this. As your pastor, I'm telling you, you need the Holy Spirit. You need the Holy Spirit. He says, go to Jerusalem and tell you're endued with this power from one high. Thank you, Father. Let's close with Galatians 3. Galatians 3. There's some other things and maybe we'll get into some of those in future weeks. Galatians 3. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. There was something as I was praying and I kind of sent just a sense to shift on just to go ahead and, and close here with this because I hadn't really seen this before. I've seen, you know, you read scriptures and all of a sudden you see something in a different way. And we can, we can have in our mind of, okay, because of past teachings or different things like, okay, well, that's what the Holy Spirit is. Because this really connects with what Dr. Savell ministered last week about no, no limits and no boundaries. Because most of the time we can live from mountaintops of success to valleys because we don't tap into the gift of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Let's, let's look at this in verse, um, for the sake of time. Let's just do verse 1. It says, O foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you that you should not obey the truth 
before whose eyes Jesus Christ was plainly portrayed among you as crucified. This only, this only I want to learn from you. This is what he wants to learn from them. Did you receive the spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are you so foolish? Have you begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? Have you suffered so many things for no purpose? Indeed, it was for no purpose. Verse 5, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Meaning he supplied the spirit and he supplied the miracles. Did it come by you fulfilling the law or it is because you had a desire for the spirit of God to move in your life? It's a little deep, I know. Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. Therefore, know that only those who are faith are sons of Abraham. Now, I want you to know, I, I, I've taught this a lot. And we, we talk about the faith of Abraham and we talk about the blessing and all that. But what did he start off with? The one who supplies the spirit and the one who works miracles. Therefore, know that only those who are of faith are sons of Abraham in the scripture foreseeing that God would justify the Gentiles by faith. Praise the Lord. Preach the gospel to Abraham beforehand, saying, in you all the nations of the earth shall be blessed. So then those who are of faith are blessed with believing Abraham. Amen? So those who are of faith. Do you, do you believe that Jesus died on the cross for you, right? Verse 10, for as many of you are works of the law or under the curse, for it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all these things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident for the just shall live by faith. Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Now look at verse 13. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentile. And most of the time we stop reading there. That the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentile. In Christ Jesus, now listen, in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles. So get a picture of this. The blessing comes upon Vic here. Just like it came upon Abraham. So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. That. That we may receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. So what I want you to see is the Spirit... Is the blessing. You see, just as much as the blessing that was on Abraham, the Spirit is on us. The Spirit is on us. So, just in the same way, just in the same way that the blessing was on Abraham, just in that same way that the Spirit, that the Spirit, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Through faith. You see, the Spirit of God, 
the Holy Spirit on your life is the blessing that you need to do things you can't do in your own strength or your own ability. As the blessing made way on Abraham's life, the Holy Spirit makes way for us. Abraham, the blessing was from God. For us, the Holy Spirit is from God and it causes us to operate in the fullness of the blessing. So often we try to live life apart from the blessing and God's presence on our lives. Jesus required the Holy Spirit. Jesus told the disciples, you need the Holy Spirit. You need this in your life. Go get filled with it until it's overflowing. I desire the present day work of the Holy Spirit in my life. In the weeks to come, we'll we'll unpack this and we'll talk about the Holy Spirit in a greater way. And we'll talk about the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We'll talk about how it will cause me to walk above. It will cause me to how to operate and deal with difficulties and, and challenges. The Holy Spirit. He's not, a, he's not an it. He's a person. I'll send one just like myself. Do you desire the New Testament, desire the modern day work of the Holy Spirit in your life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Because it's what's going to cause you to live without limits. Things that may have held you back for years, fear, inferiority, things in in the past, things that, that, that other people have labeled you and tried to keep you down. But I'm telling you, it's the Holy Spirit. Just like the blessing was on Abraham, the Holy Spirit on the believer will cause you to live without limits. Hallelujah. Just think about the disciples for a moment. Here they were, they were going, they, had, they, had, they were arguing who was the greatest, but all of a sudden on that day of Pentecost, when the Spirit of God came, all of a sudden there was something shifted on the inside of them. What? It was the blessing on them. It was the Spirit of God on them. And I believe the Spirit of God is on you. And it's going to cause you to live and work and be light. Be strength, be joy, be peace to all that around you because of this gift of the Holy Spirit. Stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for the word. I thank you. Continue to place within us a desire for all that God has for us. That we wouldn't see the Holy Spirit as this side thing, an emotional thing, 
Yeah, it can cause emotions. Yes, it can cause those other things. But we don't want to counterfeit Holy Spirit. We want to learn to yield to the Holy Spirit in everyday life. Because it's as we do that, everything around us will grow. You told the disciples in Acts 1, hey, go, be filled with this so you can be witnesses. As we leave here today, Holy Spirit calls us to be godly witnesses. Help us to bring joy and peace everywhere we go because of this treasure of a gift on the inside of us. Thank you, Father. Praise you, Father. Just repeat this after me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the word. I desire your word to fill my life. I want to build my life upon your word. So I desire the work of the Holy Spirit to work in me and to work through me. In Jesus' name. Amen.